get low, you can still go. Even yeah, when you're slow, you can still go. Even when there's no hope, you can still go. I never answered a no, man, I still go. Go, 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 go. Every single day I'll be making moves Till I'm buried in my grave To the system I don't wanna be a slave I've been doing shit my way uh, Or the highway Episode 9 Take it into the Max Sports Podcast With your host Max Murphy And with a Weekly update With Sam Ashley Which he will be popping in later To tell us What's going on In college football NFL Crazy weekend there I had to miss some of it I was sadly made the trip out to Toronto. Great city. Top three city in North America that I've been to. Seattle's one. Two, Bismarck, North Dakota. I mean, come on. Or Syracuse. What are we really doing? But Toronto is sweet. Uh, Made the trip out there with some friends. You may have seen it. But the sad part was, I'm the biggest Alec Manoa pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays fan in the whole wide world. And first inning... We're fired up, right? Crowd is going crazy at Rogers Center. Absurd. Electric crowd, right? Thanksgiving weekend. Actually, Thanksgiving was there while we were there. But crowd was still electric for Alec Manoa's appearance, first appearance in the playoffs. And it didn't start well. I mean, you got Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, Eugenio Suarez. You got the boys in Seattle who actually just lost, which I'll touch on later in this podcast episode. But you got the boys in Seattle, and they start off hot. If you get Julio Rodriguez on base, he's got a really high chance in stealing that second base right away. Or he's just, he's so electric. He can do so many things. He's 21 years old. I'm about to be 20 years old. He is a year and not even a half older than me. And the name that he's making for himself in the MLB with a bunch of young, star-studded guys in the league. Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Luis Castillo, who is pitching in that game against Alc Manoa. So many young stars, but Julio Rodriguez can do it all. And he is so much fun to watch. What a game that was to be at. Alc Manoa led up four runs, five and two-thirds innings. Um, and then they blew the lead game too. And they're out of the playoffs just like that. Anyways, uh, the Vikings go 4-1. and one. They've won three straight after getting pounded by the Eagles, which, hey, turns out to be a good loss because the Eagles are really good. I was just door dashing. And while I was waiting to pick up the order in Arby's, I was wa- sticking to my craft, doing my homework, watching the Astros and Mariners game. I turned it on bottom of the ninth inning. Astros are down two runs. Jordan Alvarez is up to bat. Second in the AL in home runs this year. I believe third or fourth in the league after Schwarber, Aaron Judge, of course. Um, He's up to bat. Two guys on. They're down 7-5. Absolute moonshot to walk it off. They win 8-7. Crazy start to the MLB playoffs. If you go click on the website, which we'll have... In the description, we'll have at the way end of this podcast episode, you'll be able to look at my play of the day, which was the Phillies over in that hit. Um, But man, Syracuse, ranked number 18. They play NC State at home this weekend. JMA Wireless Dome. 
top four college football teams stay the same. They stay on top. And please, Vikings, can you find a way to put 60 minutes together? Because you're winning, but barely. You're beating Andy Dalton, Jared Goff, Justin Fields at the last second. You can put Aaron Rodgers in that category. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, I want to bring on a friend of the show, a weekly appearance man, NDSU man, Sam Ashley. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. How how is the good old NDSU homecoming? NDSU homecoming was great. Uh, you know, just the normal. You remember it? That, just the normal events that happen at a at a college homecoming. Just a very. At least you remember it. Typical weekend for the for for most college students. That's the only thing that matters. Um, really. Because there's a lot that goes on in college, but when the weekend rolls around, and then it's Sunday. Saturday, college football. Sunday, NFL football. And Monday, if you're able to remember that weekend, you could you could argue maybe as a good weekend or a bad weekend. True. But that's what's most important. NDSU homecoming. And I believe you're uh, roommates with the homecoming king. Is that right? The reigning, the reigning homecoming king. The ho- reigning homecoming king. and The student, student body, body prez. <laughs> my, my, my dad in my fraternity and my roommate. And my friend. More important. Love to hear it. Uh, he'll be coming on the show a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Oh, uh, but let's roll right into it. Yeah. Um, go, we we got this. You, yeah, but I just want to talk about the professionalism that we have on this podcast. We have a Google Doc that, that we make, and we put in our, our little thoughts. But here's where the professionalism comes in. We have little bullet points that we want to touch on, right? Do we stick to those bullet points or do we expand on them, Sam Ashley? Both. I'd say we expand on them pretty well because we know what we're we know what we're talking about. We don't come on this podcast and just fool around. We don't want to waste people's time, right? So we got a Google Doc and first bullet point here. I mean, the these the audience thinks I'm just gonna come and lie. Lie on this podcast, right? They don't know anything about it. What can't Ohio State do? Uh, Tell me what they can't do, Sam. Can't do is I wanna know. tricky. They can't not have the best offense in the nation. Um, they can't not have Without, a top 15 defense. A defense that ranks in total defense ahead of Georgia. Uh, they, they can't not have the best team in college football right now. That's what they can't do. I think they are number one. And... We've brought this up before, Sam. The best offense in college football without their best offensive player. Without the best What are we doing? I mean, besides C.J. Stroud. What are yeah, we doing? Best offensive weapon. I, I really don't know. I mean, you mean Give Marvin the teams Harrison a break. Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, three touchdowns. I mean, we all saw that acrobatic waist-high jump slip into the end zone on Michigan yeah. State. Um, we all saw, you know, and what Trey this game, was able to do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much we can take. I think sometimes we have to look more at, all right, Michigan State is an absolute shambles, but we're not talking about week six here in college football. We're talking about through six weeks, Ohio State is the clear cut. If 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 we're putting Georgia, I mean, eight people, what are we, what are we doing? If we're putting Georgia number one, they struggled to Kent State. 
They struggled to Kent State, who, oh my god, let's say if Kent State goes into Syracuse, they would put on more of a show than Georgia did. What, what are we doing? I mean, Ohio State is absolutely putting teams that are good in the dust, even though Mel Tucker and his squad are struggling this year. But that was the that was the one question that we had, was this Ohio State defense, and we saw it week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, that their defense, I don't know how great, I mean, I know that um, uh, tight end Notre Dame, Michael, Michael Mayer, Sam, Mayer, hmm. there it is. I know that I don't know how great Notre Notre Dame's offense is, but they 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 held them to fourteen points, they did, right? They did, and their their defense is stout. They are, like I said. I mean, like listening to Joel Klatt, um, If you guys don't know who that is, you should check him out. Really smart guy. Talks about how in, in total defense, you know, with a with that level of offense, all you really need is a good enough, which is about a top twenty five defense. Right. And in, in total defense, Ohio State ranks eight. And like I said earlier in this podcast, and like how Joel Klatt said, guess who ranks nine? It's the Georgia Bulldogs, which is crazy to think about the talent discrepancy between those two teams and how they're performing. I mean, Ryan Day is just getting the max out of both sides of the ball. Even shorthanded, he's getting the max out of both sides of the ball. They're easily the best team in college football right now. A close fourth That's what we, USC. <clears throat> a close fourth. I think what we saw the last couple the years while Yeah, while Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, like you you brought up a great point. When you have that great of an offense like Lincoln Riley, uh, Lincoln Riley had with um Kyler Murray, Baker yeah, Mayfield, Jalen Hurts. The, the one thing you needed was an okay defense to win it all, and that's what Lincoln Riley couldn't do. I'm not crappy on Lincoln Riley yeah, because no, I think no, he's yeah, yeah. top three top three coach, but that's a really good point that you make because you're seeing a good enough defense, and that's why Oklahoma wasn't able to win one with Lincoln Riley because they had the best offense in college football his three, four years that he was there, but they didn't have even an average. They had a below-average defense, I mean, it's and that's kind of what separates you from getting – Ohio State's going to – they're going to get it. They're going to get in the football playoff, but what's going to separate them is to have a good enough defense to stop when Bryce Young gets healthy and uh, Stetson Bennett's got some weapons, even though I'm not that high on him. Yeah, so it's going to stop them. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, you follow Lincoln Riley, and it's, he's, he's doing better than he used to. He's, USC has got an opportunistic defense. The only really you know issue they have, their main issue, is, is rush defense, but... They are able to hide it really well. They're situational. They're situationally well and can take the ball away. True. Yeah. They. I mean, like I said, they they play to their strengths with the Caleb Williams led offense. They get a lead early, and then the opposing team doesn't really have a choice but to pass the ball, and the DBs are making plays. You know, They're, they are making up for their three, lack of run defense three by just having a great turnovers. offense. Best offense is a great. That's defense. That's right. Um. So I guess we gave you a little preview to um, both of our top four teams. I'll, it, it hasn't changed for me all year, except between Bama and um, Ohio State. I had Bama one most of the year, but Ohio State is now my number one. Bama's two, Clemson three, USC four, and that's been it this whole year. And honestly, if Clemson were to – unless they were to lose the rest of the way out – 
they can have ugly wins and I wouldn't care because I know that they're top four team in college football. So I'm keeping them there. USC has their toughest test this weekend. But first, Sam, where are your top four? Top four. I think my top four are going to remain the same. But we just switch up the order a little bit. You know, OSU, Bama, USC, Georgia. And then I'm going to put Georgia at four. Very close to getting beaten out by Michigan, who I... I really like, I just need to see, you know, a complete resume from J.J. McCarthy. But, I mean, Blake Corum's him, and that defense is creating pressure in a way that, you know, no one really thought was possible after you lose David Ajabo, uh, a second-round pick who, would, if he was healthy, would have been a top 15 pick maybe. And then, obviously, right. Aiden Hutchinson, who's the yep. number two overall pick. The main question about that defense was going to be how do they create pressure. And, you know, if they can do that, they can win a lot of games. And they're figuring out how to do that, and they're winning a lot of games. So Michigan has got it going on right now. Very close to Georgia at, at five, but I don't. I still have Georgia just based off, you know, the talent discrepancy. That is what's crazy about college football, Sam. Um, unlike the NFL, if you have a great coach and a great recruiter like um, Jim John, Jim John, Jim John, Jim John. I don't know. One of the Harbaugh's. He's my favorite coach in yep, college Jim, football. Jim Anyways, Harbaugh. do you know which one it is? Jim it's Jim. Okay. Anyways, when you have a great when you have a great coach and great recruiter like Jim Harbaugh, in college football, you can replace Ann Hutchinson and Ajabo. Right? Ajabo. Mm-hmm. And Ajabo. he got drafted by the Ravens, correct? And then towards ACL? I think so. He came in with an injury and then I'm pretty yeah. sure he re aggravated the injury on the Ravens. Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, that's what, in college football, when you have, like, a Saban or a um, Harbaugh or, like, a Dabo Sweeney, you can replace these guys. Let's say the Chargers lose Nick, lose, sorry, Joey, Joey, Joey Bosa, Jesus, Max, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, what are they next year with pass rush? It's so hard to replace guys in the NFL that are generational talents and then you have generational talents or guys that will be highly drafted in NCAA, mm-hmm. and they just get replaced. Guys like Ryan Day and really big powerhouse schools in the Big Ten, eh, Big 12 a little bit, but um, the ACC with Dabo Sweeney and the SEC, that's what they can do really well. That's, that's um, really yeah, you brought like up a great... Athletic discrepancy. Um, in college football, you know, you get a lot, obviously, of superior athletes to, to the normal person, but you can still sort of rely on your athleticism uh, example, I don't know if it's fair to use him, but Christian Watson uh, for NDSU was able to use his athleticism to you know prosper in college ball, but when he got to the pro level, although he has been a little bit injured, but I mean you saw that first attempt, he dropped it. You know, there's a lot more mental because everyone is a freak in the NFL, so that's why that's why you see that that inability to perform well at the NFL level, even though you're a freak, it's that mental state, it's that next level of the game. It is crazy. Um... I talked to some of my friends about this, but like on Saturdays, we we either go to the Syracuse game if they're at home, or or we sit down and watch all the college games, and we're watching these college guys, right? And the guys that really stand out have a high chance of not succeeding in the NFL because you go from Saturday watching college football to Sunday, where every guy that you just watched the day previous won't even have a real shot at like having a long career in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, and there, like, there are a lot that's of the same if you stars that you can just point to that haven't panned out. Yeah, you know, it's, just... it's wild. The NFL is it's a whole nother whole nother level. Um, 
I think Bryce Young is. I, I'm excited to see him when he's back healthy again. We've only missed him for one week, but I just I can't wait to see what Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. A little bit on Bryce Young for sure is a little bit on the smaller end, but I think he's so freakishly talented that I think he'll pan out really well in the NFL. And it's all it's all where you land, right? Like Justin Herbert was able to I mean, he struggled a little bit with Anthony Lynn, but then he was able to get Brandon Staley, who's an offensive man, and look what he's doing. But it's yeah. all just kind of where you pan out, and I think Bryce Young, if he were to go to a good team, then they're solid, right? He's going to be good. Um, let's move on to, yeah, I have Michigan 5, Georgia 6. My only question right now with Michigan, mm-hmm. dude, I loved McNamara last year, and it's hard to forget that he's still on the team because I'm, like, getting used to J.J. McCarthy right now. And I know JJ's more. I know he's got more upside. Really? Because I, I no, I just saw a guy. Well, I watched that took, JJ. I watched JJ McCarthy at, at IMG in high school. You know, I watched him. Ball, I've been watching that guy ball out for a while. So I really was excited when he got his chance. Not my thing was like Jim Harbaugh got all this hat. The guy all this hate last year, and I was keep backing him up and backing him up and backing him up because it's it's so hard to out recruit a Bama. And uh, these southern schools, not just SEC, but even like look at Oklahoma, even though Texas hasn't been good recently, but to out-recruit southern schools because, hey, if you're a five-star athlete coming out, let's say you either grew up anywhere in the United States, whether you grew up in the cold weather or warm weather, if Alabama is coming to you and saying, come down, play for Nick Saban, or Jim Harbaugh is like, yeah, come up to Michigan where it's going to get in the negatives at the end of your football season and play for us. That has something to do with recruiting. And so I always give more credit to like a Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, what he was able to do. And now we're seeing a drop off with uh, Freeman replacing him because coaching in the Big Ten isn't easy. That's why uh, Ryan Day, what he's doing, replacing Urban Meyer, one of the best college coaches of all time, is really impressive. So I'll always back up Jim Harbaugh. And that's why watching McNamara, even though he's kind of a dual, dual threat or he kind of shared snaps. Uh, J.J. McCarthy would get in there quite a bit. That's why it's hard for me to look past Cade McNamara because he brought my boy Jim Harbaugh to the playoffs and then they get trounced by one of the greatest college football teams in history. Yeah. But anyways, um, we've talked about Ohio State, Michigan. People don't want us to be talking about the Big Ten this whole time. But we gave you our top four teams. Um, USC. I don't know. Washington State was ranked twenty six last week. Yeah, so Washington. So they were State, right on the edge. Washington State, uh, you know, got beat out um, in ranking by LSU. LSU was number twenty five, and it's really interesting because it really t- speaks to like the politics and the dynamics of, of college football when you look at the rankings. Because you've got the AP poll who gave the twenty five rank over, you know, gave it to LSU over teams, uh, over a team in Washington State. Uh, and now Tennessee, Tennessee just beat LSU, or yeah, Tennessee just beat LSU, and then they go yep. on to play Alabama this week. So Tennessee was able to jump uh, USC, even though they both won. They thought that the top twenty-five win was more impressive, even though it was a closer win than the you know the the win that twenty yeah yeah uh-huh. the win that that USC had We're over following. Washington State. There we go. What was LSU ranked going into this week? Going into this week against... Were they in the 25 to 20? 
This no, week. no, sorry. Last going, week last versus week, Tennessee. Going into Tennessee, they were ranked 25. So they got that nod over Washington State. Hmm. And that, and then after, yeah. you know, after Tennessee beats a, a, a ranked team, you know, a ranked team, even though Washington State is a 26-ranked team, USC doesn't get moved down, but more they get jumped because they are still undefeated. But Tennessee moves up, and that only looks better for Alabama if they don't have Bryce Young and they lose to what, a sixth-ranked Tennessee? That gives the AP poll a chance you know, keep Alabama in the top four after a loss, which obviously I think they should be there because of their talent. But it just, you know, like I said, speaks to the politics of the sport. I feel like USC is better than hey, the Sam, they're ranked at. Let's, yeah. let's never, ever mix politics with sports, right? It's the worst yeah, thing you can do. I agree. Um a great example of that. Uh, Syracuse didn't even play last week, and they jumped from twenty-two to eighteen. Look at that. Yep. I mean, they had a great. I guess game. when you have a bunch of when yeah, I guess when you have a bunch of frauds in the twenty-five to twenty, uh, you you gotta move some people up when they get exposed, like Pitt does. Then then you gotta move oh, yeah. some people up. Pitt was a great um, being ranked. It that that's more of the politics. Them being ranked over teams last a couple weeks ago, like like Syracuse, like Kansas, that were undefeated. You know, Pitt's not good. Give me a break with Kenny Slovis. <laughs> I God, you gotta be a you gotta be a diehard college football fan to even know who he is. But if you do, you know that ESPN and the media absolute dick absolutely dick rides Kenny Slovis, and he ain't that. It's Anyways, uh, the most impressive guy sound like um Scott Van Pelt on ESPN. The most impressive thing I saw this weekend, mainly because. I put a bunch of money on Utah, but God dang it, LS, or UCLA is good. For the first time in some time, and Chip Kelly is turning that program around. UCLA is good. UCLA's I don't know if you watched that game. Dorian Thompson-Robinson um, has been playing there for a while, really ingrained in the system. Yeah. And- you know, he was a player that was playing well. Like I said, I've been following, you know, high school football for a while. He was a guy that was playing well in the Elite 11. So he's a guy that I've also had my eyes on, you know, just to see how he plays out. And he's finally playing like that that high school player that was invited to the Elite 11. He's playing at an elite level now. Dorian yeah, Thompson and Robinson. the thing that stuck out to me was they're running. They just run it down people's throats. Yeah. And they've well, played some pretty tough teams lately, but they just... I love it. I love it. And they still they have the worst college fan base. They have the worst college fan base in the history that I've ever seen a ranked team. Sam, they haven't had a student section at above 50% capacity this whole year and they're 6 and 0. What are we doing? UCLA? Maybe you should put your stadium on campus. That sometimes helps, right? Sometimes helps students to get to get through the Get through the LA traffic. Um, Texas looks great. So says Sam Ashley. And I got a counter argument against that one. You go. Okay. So my argument for Texas uh, is mainly, you know, their resume. They played close against Alabama. Quinn Ewers got hurt. Uh, and then they were also able just now to beat Oklahoma, who I'll, I'll give you that they're not a great team. And they had their backup quarterback. But to go 49-0 on a Brent Venables-led defense is crazy. He asked a lot of his players, but 49-0 on Brent Venable's defense is very impressive. 
Quinn Ewers, although none of his touchdowns were the most impressive thing I've ever seen, it was a lot of, you know, Xavier Worthy, their wide receiver, um, making plays. Yeah, it was a lot, of, a lot of, yeah. So they have just a talented game. And then they have the second best running back in college football right now, right behind Sean Tucker. They have a, uh, oh, why can't I remember his name? What's his name? Brownie points. What's his oh, name? Oh, Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson. Such a talented guy. Yeah. Yeah, just he's a, a beast. A, a freaky offense. You know, 49-0. Oklahoma and Texas are moving to the SEC soon. Uh, the, the playoff playoffs need to be expanded already. That's going to make so it fun. Teams in the NFL, but yeah, Texas is great. When is it? 2024? So not next year, but the following? Or is I it next for year? For the transfer or for the expansion? Of the playoffs. No, for expansion. 2025, I think. Is uh, One of those two years. Anyways, uh, SEC, the Big Ten SEC, it's going to be I mean, tough UCLA, rooting, UCLA tough rooting than the USC ACC this next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but UCLA yeah, yeah. and USC are moving. Um, I liked every single thing that you said in there. Except for Brent Brent Venables led defense because he led up sixty some points to TCU, who has a good offense, but they're just held to under thirty against Kansas. Yeah, like I said, Brent. Venables I think is Texas look good. Going to just need to recruit more. You know, Oklahoma is a, a team that's just going to yeah. More talent on the defense. He's. I do like I do like him. I think he's trying to build a culture. But the only reason I countered that Texas statement is because it it wasn't saying much to put points against that defense this year because of how bad they are. Um, I think Quinn Ewers. I love watching Quinn Ewers though. Yeah, I. Everyone knows this, but if he stay in the game versus Alabama, they could they I think they would have won because Alabama's struggling hardly, even on defense, mm-hmm. when he was in. And that would change the whole course of not only their season, but <clears throat> Alabama's season as well. Yeah, no, realistically, if he's healthy, Oklahoma State, they're ranked top three and undefeated. Realistically. Yeah. Which... Um, the Big 12, I was just thinking, Sam, the Big 12, I think Okie State, if TCU keeps rolling, a Big 12 could be represented in this playoffs. Is that crazy? Mm-mm, not at all. I, I think I agree. It's tough with two losses, like for Texas, but Oklahoma State. Let's. I think if they go undefeated, um, and then They're it's so so TCU weird because last year you had two SEC teams in there, which makes a lot of people upset. But I mean, they're the two best teams yep. last year, and this year, do you kick out either Bama or Georgia? No matter what happens in the SC, in the SEC championship, it's gonna be crazy. I think if Alabama I'm excited. loses Ohio to State, if Alabama loses to Tennessee, I'll take it. I don't without Bryce Young, and then they lose okay. to Georgia. I don't know. If First of all, is Bryce loss. Young playing? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he's been confirmed. But anyways, if you put a two-loss okay. Alabama team in the playoffs after they struggled to teams also like Texas and Texas A and M, I don't Texas A and M. Yeah. Even with Bryce Young on the team, I don't think you can put them at four. I think you can put them at five. But right. if Michigan goes undefeated and beats. Ohio State, or if they have a one loss to Ohio State and they look good against everyone else, it's definitely a conversation to have. I agree. Very um, we got to move to the NFL. We've been yeah, talking we a lot about college football. But I think we witnessed um, – man, the Tom Brady roughing the passer call was bad. 
And then the refs were watching that game from the previous slate and decided to make it even worse. Egregious. If you have an iPhone or a Sam, if you have anything but a flip phone that gives you news, you don't even have to be a sports fan. You saw how bad this call was, and it'd be wrong for us not to talk about it. This is just horrific. An overreaction to the Tua the Tua head injury, which I think was more on the medical staff of the Dolphins rather than the rules in the NFL. Um, although they did make a rule change within the last forty eight hours, um, or I guess a while it was during Sunday or before Sunday. Just you know, rule changes based on on the rules on the contact for the heads and stuff. But uh, you know, the rule that you can't put your land on a quarterback with your full weight has been around for a while. I listened to Skip Bayless talk about it. It's been around since Tony Romo, because he's a big Cowboys fan. Tony Romo got landed on a lot and would break his collarbone. So the rule where you can't land with your full weight on a player, although it's dumb, has right. been a rule for a while. So I still agree that there are egregious calls, especially the Tom Brady one, when he's throwing him to the ground, because that happens later yeah. on you know, in every NFL game. You saw it in the Chiefs game. Like you can see a highlight of them doing it in the Chiefs game, and it did not get called. The Raiders got them. It's <clears> only so the Chiefs have that have that type of call against them and end up winning the game, or better yet, end up going down and kicking a fifty-five yard field goal, fifty-nine yard field goal as a backup, and going into the half only down ten when the crowd is booing the ref the whole rest of the game. It's really. Just I think it shows. I mean, we can move in. In in the NFL or what? Yeah, in the AFC, yeah. because you're forgetting about you're forgetting about the Vikings. But um, I think we can transition to. I mean, the Mahomes has separated himself to be a man amongst boys in this league, and that's why they are the best team, without doubt. Even you said it a couple weeks ago as a Chargers fan. I like the Chiefs one. I like the Eagles two, Ravens three, Bills four. Chargers and Vikings hold the five spot. Of course, they hold the five spot. I mean, I've almost you have the exact the opposite. You have the almost Vikings the and Chargers. You have the Vikings and Chargers one. No, you have I the have... Chiefs five. Precisely. No, I have uh, the Eagles undefeated. You know, for power rankings, I think you have to just you know they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. You got to put them one. Defense is playing well. They just had a tough win against. You know, Cardinals, which is a win that you want when you're undefeated, a win that challenges you. But now you've got Chiefs 2, you've got Bills 3, and then I've actually at 4 got the Vikings, and then 5, is that 5? Did I say, no, I said, I went Eagles, Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, and let me see. Who am I forgetting? I have, why have I four teams? You're not putting the Chargers in there? No, I'm not putting the Chargers in there. Chargers are three and two. The Cowboys. The Cowboys. A team. The boys. The, the boys. boys. A, the Dan Quinn led defense. The Dan Quinn led defense, and uh, the mediocre output from Cooper Rush is about to go up because Dak Prescott's coming back soon. That team, although they didn't look, you know, they don't look great now that they have Cooper Rush, but. They're good, and I think that when you see them play the also four and one Giants, that's going to be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. But I think they've got more, you know, surrounding talent rather than just Saquon going off yep. every week, and that's why I believe that the Cowboys are the fifth team in the NFL. Um, I kind of, 
You know, like how you have to audition for movies or sometimes like an interview process for any job you want. This was kind of like bringing you on as like a weekly guest. It was like temporary until you said the Vikings are your top five team. So, Sam, Ashley, I would like to propose you an official position on the Take Into the Max Sports podcast. Unbelievable. Well done. You sold it well. You won not the lead role, but you won a very big role in the movie you just saw, you just um, auditioned in. Uh, I think what we're seeing, we just listed our top five teams, but I think what we're seeing is so weird because NFL ratings are higher than ever. They keep topping themselves every year. The AFC stacked. We keep seeing great quarterback play, all this, all this. Tom Brady's quote last week, he said, Quote, I think there's a lot of bad football from what I watch. I watch a lot of bad football. Poor quality of football. That's what I see. I want to break down this quote because I it's so it's so weird because we're seeing all these great AFC teams and we're seeing all this great play and the ratings are crazy, like I just said. But Tom Brady brings up a great point because we we're seeing the Jets and the Giants, New York teams haven't been above five hundred. I don't I don't have a stat, but in years. The Bucks, who mainly because of injury, against who they played in the a- NFC championship. The Rams, who have been you're on mute. Um the okay. The Rams who have been banged up. The Bucks who have been banged up. And I think he's talking about just the NFC itself because he's so right. We're seeing yeah. bad football by really good teams, and it's honestly I think it's mainly because of injury. Yeah, I, honestly, just an apt analysis. I agree with everything you said. The NFC is really weak, and they're not really playing to their full potential. You know, um, whether it be the 49ers with that loaded roster, you know, coming into the coming from preseason into the regular season, thought of as the best roster outside of the quarterback, you know, in the NFL. And I, right. I guess they're they're still up there, but you've got some weaker teams in the NFC compared to the AFC, at least. I think that quote was kind of intended towards the AFC because, like, even I guess he said this before the Packers lost to excluding the Vikings, of course, but because he said before the Packers just lost to the Giants, and it's it's really awesome to see bad teams doing well, like New York teams, uh, like the Chargers, because am I good for you? Uh, But also, I think he's talking about. The greatest one and four team of all time, the Raiders. They have lost four games in a combined fourteen points. Sam Ashley. That means he's they're covering a lot of spreads. They're weighing lots of people some money. But that is literally the Minnesota Vikings last year, who sixteen out of their seventeen games were decided by one score and they didn't make the playoffs. Which shows that the Raiders they're getting, they're getting a little bit of Vikings in them, which you don't like to see. You like to see it. Old, a little bit of the old Vikings in them. The old Vikings because the new Vikings can't put together 60 minutes, but they're winning games this time. Last year, we weren't putting 60 minutes together, and they were losing games. So we love to see that one. Against the greatest quarterback in the league, Justin Fields. Almost. So. The other Justin, Justin Herbert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you have Justin Herbert over Justin Fields. It's close, hmm. but yeah. It's close. 
Um, I'm giving Justin Fields the edge because, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, uh, Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers, Sam. You know that meme where uh, they each other, yeah. They're like, where you're like, what's that? They trying to grab each other. They miss each other. No, no, they're, you know the meme where they're laying in bed and or it's like a picture of someone laying in bed and they're looking at the picture of like oh, okay, yeah, 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 what was yeah, yeah. like a long lot. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? This yeah, is like yeah, yeah. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. They can't throw on. I think Colin is Colin is Colin gonna get a graphic here? I feel like it's a Colin graphic moment. I gotta write down this time, thirty five fifty. But if Colin can put that meme there, I think he might get a raise. He might get uh, he might go from five dollars an hour to six dollars an hour. Tell him to bring me my money. Dante yeah! Adams is reunited with their car, and they haven't figured it out. And I have a weird feeling that they will because <clears throat> that pass rush with that team sucks. That they're in such a hard division with a really good Chargers team, really good Chiefs team, and the best team in the league, the Broncos. But um, it's unfortunate, Sam. It's good for you, but not not good for everyone else who wants to see this duo succeed. And it's weird. I I just don't I don't see a path for the Raiders this year at, at least uh, making the playoffs. Yeah. I w- I wonder what the Sam. We gotta hire some people on this, but we gotta hire a stas- statistician. They're really making me Google and do and do all the work. Um, but we got to know the number of how many one and four starting teams have made the playoffs. It's got to be a low percentage. Not looking good. Not looking good for the Raiders. But they did, to give them credit, they did go into Arrowhead and keep it, kept it really close. If they would get the extra point, who knows what happened, maybe OT. Um, if they would have been able to convert on the four, fourth and one, they could be two and three and not one and four, but not looking pretty for the boys. Um we got to touch on – I can't believe what I saw. I texted Sam Ashley. I was watching Red Zone, and when I saw Scott Hansen, Syracuse University rep, break into the Chargers game where it is fourth and two on their own <laughs> – did he learn from last year? On their own side of the field against Jacoby Brissett, no timeouts – and less than a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Your punter would have to be really bad to not pin them back within 20, 30 yards, and you're trusting Jacoby Brissett and maybe Amari Coopers to drive down and get a field goal? Yeah. What are we doing, Chargers? I, even even with our run defense, the, the thing was more about, um, you know, lack of, you know, Nick Chubb having a great day, did have a great day. Um, although I agree with you, this is the first – Oddly enough, just being a Chargers fan, I've been a little biased. But this is the first call that I kind of disagreed with. I really liked his aggressiveness last year, um, but we're also finding. I think as a first year, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was always our third mm-hmm. down guy, our go-to, our plug, and you know you're not really seeing Mike Williams fill that role. You're seeing Mike Williams play really well. You're seeing him put up big numbers and in all these contested catches and you know down the field plays, but. It'll be really beneficial for especially Justin Herbert when you can get a Keenan down or a route technician like that in on these third downs and fourth downs and, and it'll only allow Brandon Staley to convert more of them and look like a better coach. So excited for Was Keenan. Brandon Staley a, a first year coach last year? Was yes. that his first year? He was the 
he went from the Broncos to the Bay to the Bears to to the Rams to the Rams D coordinator and now the okay. head coach. Um. So I do. Agree. I do like. <clears throat> I guess I don't mind his aggressiveness than last year, mm-hmm. but you gotta take away the fact that your aggressiveness your aggressiveness lost you some games and kept you out of the playoffs last year. And when you bring into this year with an even more talented team than last year, I don't know how much players are going to like. I don't know how much. Obviously, the offense is going to get behind that. But the when it comes to above you, the GM, the owner, the fans, not saying the fans are obviously above them, but, you know, like everyone else but yeah. the offensive side of the ball isn't rallying behind your aggressiveness that could cost you games if it weren't for Cade York, then it becomes questionable. And thank God Cade York was on the field at that moment and not Justin Tucker. I was happy. You think that would play I, – I feel like that would play – that had to play the role. I don't know how well Cade York was kicking, but let's say you're going against, like, uh, the Rams, like Matt Gay or, like – Or a Harrison um, Butker for the, the Chiefs, a Daniel Carlson yeah. for the Raiders who has the, who has the record for most consecutive made field goals. Right. Basically just player. within your division. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. Make a madness. Um, I think that does play a role a little bit, maybe. Like, you're not putting your team out there on fourth and one if Justin Tucker is on the field, right? No, I, I agree. I think the play so, call, it, it's a really diverse play call, a, a complicated thing to break down. But at the end of the day, it was the wrong decision, you know. So hopefully he learns yeah. from that. Hopefully you they, see they won. the Chargers progress. Yeah, they, they won the game. Chargers. Chargers I don't see the GM and owner – I don't see the GM and owners supporting Brandon Staley after that game. I think they're going to they're gonna tell him to knock it off with the analytics. But, I mean, he'll still be very aggressive. He'll still kind of be the same coach. But if, like, that exact scenario, mm-hmm. not happening again. Um, anyways, we gave you our power rankings. New York Giants, New York Jets are above 500. We gave you the worst play call in NFL history. Sam touched on the Vikings. I don't need to touch on the, or sorry, Sam touched on the Chargers win. I don't really need to touch on the Vikings because, uh, I mean, Justin Jefferson, there's really good receivers, Sam. Like, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins went healthy, Stephon Diggs. And then there's, (laughs) and then there's like gods, right? Actually, God, plural. It's Justin Jefferson. So do I really need to touch on the Vikings when Justin Jefferson keeps topping his own records week by week? Not really. They won. It wasn't pretty. Vikings never make it look pretty. They got to play well for 15 minutes, and then who cares? We'll scramble at the end to try and get a win. But the Vikings won. They're 4-1. Chargers are back in the above 500 column. And our teams are looking good. And our USC Trojans. How about we get a win in UCLA this weekend? Oh, it would be nice. We as in because nice. we are some of we are some of the only team with some of the only people that have USC top four. We're very big supporters of USC. Big supporters. We watch too much Colin Cowherd. I don't know about you, but we watch too much Joel Klein and Colin Cowherd. I watch a lot of Colin Cowherd too. I watch a lot of everybody. Sam S- Sam, here's the one thing you gotta know about Sam. Sam likes smart people. That's why he watches Colin Cowherd. Do. And Joel Clatt. My favorite trait in people is, is their smartness, you know. So it's their smartness. To... That's why he come. That's why he comes on this podcast. That's yeah. That's why I'm. Because he's to talking to. Podcast. That's 
Yeah. Um, anyways, do you have anything else to add before our episode nine weekly update with Sam Ashley is over? Little preview. Who do you guys got this weekend on Sunday? Chargers play. Sam, if you don't know, at the top of your head. Monday night football against the Broncos. Versus. Yeah, that's an L. You can just count that one as an L because. For Russell Wilson, yeah. Yeah, let Russ cook. Russ has been absolutely wheeling and dealing lately, so that's a loss. In case you need a preview to my Max Seven plays this week. Take the no. points with the Broncos. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I will not. I'm letting, I'm letting Russ Cook uh, sit down for a while, unfortunately. This is the only time in his career, the only time I've been a Russell Wilson fan, that I'm just going to sit on it until he, proves, until he proves that he's that guy again, right? Mm. Oh, um, shoot. I totally forgot about we had a couple things to say with the NBA draft. When... Sam and I were on our cruise this May, Disney World. Um, the whole nine yards. Alaska. We went all the way from Disney World all the way to Alaska. And then we went all the way back around. We visited Russia while the war was going on with Ukraine. And then we came back down and landed in the Missouri River in North Dakota. Yeah, Sam actually showed me with... Yeah. So, no, 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 no. The cruise ship... Act, no, actually... I don't know why I was blanking on this. It started in Disney World, went to Alaska, of course, then went all the way over to Russia. They came down through the Gulf of Mexico, hopped on the Missouri River, and somehow went upstream all the way to Bismarck. Dropped, yep, yep, all the way to Bismarck, dropped us off. While all that was going on, Sam Ashley was showing me a man named Victor Wembabubu. Yeah. Yep, Victor Wembanama. I can't say DJ Uegalele, and I can't say Wambayana. DJ Uegalele and Victor Wubanyama are future stars. Yeah, anyways, this Victor guy, I would say is the target target version of a Walmart Chet Holmgren. Is that fair? The target version? So he is target, and you're saying Chet Holmgren is Walmart? Correct. That's what I'm saying. I would agree with that, but... I would also put Victor Wimanyama in the Uniqlo, maybe. I know you're, you're very familiar with that brand. I would put him maybe Sam, in that Sam. conversation in terms of prospects. In terms of you prospects, keep going. I would say. You keep going. In terms of prospects, I would put Victor Wimanyama uh, as the Uniqlo. I'm sure you're about to see some merch from, from Max Murphy here. And then you'll also, um, you know, Chet Holmgren. I wouldn't call him Walmart. Injured. Uh Excited to see his first year, but Victor Wobanyama is the prize of the draft and will be the prize of the draft for the last couple, would have been the prize of the draft for the last couple of years, even over Zion Williamson, which is crazy to think. Uniqlo. Uh-huh. The Victor Wobanyama of clothes. The Victor, I love that comparison. I had to whip it out. Uh-huh. If you guys, maybe we could get Uniqlo to sponsor us, Sam. This maybe we could great after we drop, name drop little- them on... This huge podcast. Jesus. <laughs> this huge podcast that we're going to get uh, not thousands of views. So let's be realistic, like millions of views. Yeah. Uh, look at this material. Look at this little turtleneck mock. This thing, Sam. I see it. I love it. This it's thing. My, I really Woo! like it. Yeah. That's yeah. Victor Wembayana. Wembayana. And you know what Chet Holmgren is? I, what? Uh, 
I don't got anything, but he he's the Walmart version. He is the Walmart version of Victor Wembanyama. The short. Uh, I didn't. I'll have to go back and look once it's edited at what you're saying about him. But from what I've seen from clips, this guy's like a better LeBron. It's insane. Yeah, he's just the perfect basketball player. I mean, <laughs> the only word, I saw, um, shout out to Jimmy High Roller. If you guys watch his YouTube channel, very, very good uh, basketball sports you know, video maker. But talked about the success of players over 7-2. And there's not a lot. Like, you go past there and you find, like, um, Sam Bowie, you know, 7'4", played all right, but also found injuries with his knees. Yao Ming, 7'6", found injuries, you know, with his knees. Was able to have, like, a very promising career up to a point. But then, you know, his legs just couldn't hold up. Um, Sean Bradley, you know, played very well, but wasn't a dominant guy like you'd think a 7'6 guy would be. Victor Womanyama is as dominant as any 7-5 player that will ever exist. Because he's able The thing to about Victor, he sorry, he just Very moves good. different. As Very not cool only way. just No, not even just him being 7-5, like if you were to put him next to like a 6-7 or 6-8 guy, like he kind of moves comparable. He's so lengthy, he I see this guy as I mean it's so so original. Not a hot take here, but I think this guy's just gonna be unreal. Yeah. No, I I mean it's the only take. I don't think it's the unoriginal, it's just the the sole take that is possible is to think that Victor Wubanyama will be a perennial all star. A perennial MVP candidate. I wish he could we're gonna see him in the NBA in a year, but I wish we could see him in college. It'd be exciting. It's it sucks like being like, we get, didn't really get to see Luka Doncic and a lot of European stars, but it kind of sucks that there's, like, that divide where we can't see some of these great guys in Europe play all the time because they're over there and not here. Even, like, when Lamelo went over to Australia. Mm-hmm. Like, we just got to miss that out, right? We'd rather see them in college here, but um, European basketball. I'm, I, I'm around a guy, my best friend, well, my best friend's here, Richie, who is from Germany. And he's played basketball his whole life. And you hear all about it, but he's shown me eclipse. Like, he's told me about, like, your PM basketball is legit. Like, it's mm-hmm. Victor Wambayana isn't doing all this against high, our high school teams, right? Like, he's doing this against real competition. It's very impressive. Against professional grown men. That's the main thing I take away is European basketball is is up there. Right, True. it's up there. Um, Luka Doncic has but, said that it's easier to score in the NBA than it is over in Europe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Given, because there's Luka no Doncic NBA these days. From 16 to 18, but yeah. What do you mean? Luka Doncic, uh, he he was 16 through 18 when he was playing his professional for Real Madrid. Oh. He signed, he signed with them. Yeah, that think that would make it harder to score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he signed with them at 14, I think, and then didn't play until 16, and then just skyrocketed. That's and crazy. 18, obviously, you know, he's winning the MVP of the Euro Cup, which is in its own right super hard to do. But as an 18-year-old to win the like it was clear that he was a number one prospect, and he's just lived up to everything like that. And I, I hope the same for Victor Robanyama. Yeah. Um, Bronny James, where's he going to go? I heard something with Ohio State that he's not eligible, or he can't go there. 
Did you hear that? Saw, I know he got an offer from there <clears throat> after he visited with his dad, LeBron, obviously. He is like a top 40 prospect right now, which, I mean, if you put it in terms of... And he of just signed one of the biggest LeBron. NIL deals. He did. He's, he is crazy with, with the name. He's been famous for a long time, given the name. But yeah, Bronny is, you know, a top prospect, but to, for looking for him to play with LeBron... Right now, he's projected, if you just go based off rankings, like the 40th overall pitch with pick, which is like 10 picks into the second round. And usually those guys don't really pan out in the NFL. Obviously, you've got your your weird cases like Draymond Green but and Nikola Jokic. But oftentimes, you know, I don't really see second-round second, second round picks. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah no Thomas. No big deal. For the Suns. No big and deal. The, everyone else. Anyways, yeah, yeah, every so, single so, team, but was only so going the was only going the Celtics. I would like to see to see Bronny play a little more. Uh, from what I've seen in his high school games, when I watched his EYBL games, you know his his traveling games, he plays very aggressive, but doesn't have as in depth of an understanding of the game as you'd like. He doesn't really understand tempo, you know, the movement of the game. So once he really gets that understanding, I genuinely think he'd be an NBA player, a good NBA player. Love that insight to man who follows it, who follows high school sports that I cannot do. I don't have the patience for. I don't know any recruiting. That's why I bring him on. I don't know any recruiting. I don't know anything about high school to you college. College, eh, whatever. You know, you know Arch Manning. I know. So I know some Archie Manning. I know some Archie. I know some Bronny James. I I know some Andrew Langang. Well, I see some Andrew Langang, but my depth. My depth isn't really there. Um, anyways, episode nine. Third, is this your third time coming on? Pleasure. Third time on. Correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, we missed we missed last so week. Far. Best one so far. Best one so far. Every single time Sam and I say it's going to be a ten. Eh, Sam, it'll be a short one. Nah. Don't cancel any plans. Don't do don't cancel any plans. Don't delay your lifting. It's going to be a short podcast. It's only 53 minutes. You're fine. It'll be 10 to 20 minutes at the max. Something light. Love it, though. Loved every Some minute. light. All right. I'll let you catch up. Me, on too. Me. Thanks for coming on. Talk okay. To you next week. Adios. See ya. Peace. We covered a lot there. Um, I think there's a couple things that I want to go into depth about before I stop this already 53-minute one. But the horrific PI calls will be changed. Colin Cowherd said today, the NFL is the best at this, making changes. Um, they're going to be able to count on it. It just takes the momentum from the game. Fourth down, the Chiefs get a sack, Right? They stripped the ball. And you're down 17-0. I think they were down 17-0 at that point. You stripped the ball, so you're going to have really good field position. Instead, the Raiders get the ball back 15 more yards. They get to keep the drive going. They end up losing the game. But also, Tom Brady getting sacked, losing the ball as the Atlanta Falcons were coming back. These calls can't happen in the NFL, or it could get really ugly. But I think it'll change. Um, Syracuse, NC State this weekend. Devin Larry, 
the NC State quarterback who's a vet there. There are rumors that he could be out. That'd be huge. Um, some of the boys and I here at Syracuse, if they beat NC State, we will be making the trip up to Clemson. And I cannot wait if that happens to go into Death Valley with a 6-0 and team versus a top four Clemson team. That'd be surreal. Uh, let's say Clemson wins this weekend against, I think, their toughest challenge this year, uh, Florida State, who's really good, who barely lost to NC State, which shows you how good NC State is. Let's say they win this weekend. We go there. Top four versus top 12 matchup. It'd be pretty surreal. So hopefully we can see that happen. Um, all types of guests, my siblings, my friends, from back home, my friends here at Syracuse will be on the podcast. We're going to have a couple more on tomorrow, and then we're going to have some Syracuse players, and then we're going to have lots of other guests that I'm excited to have on. I love being able to use this platform to kind of speak about what I see in the week-to-week with sports, but also just to catch up with friends and that kind of thing. So uh, with that being said, There will be a podcast. This should be out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and another one Saturday morning with my Max 7 picks and with two guests. Take into the Max Sports Podcast with their host, Max Smurphy. Episode 9, we're out.